Hello, everybody, and welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. It is a Friday, and that means lots and lots of sports around the globe. Let's start, shall we, right here in the mother city of Cape Town as the World Netball Cup is underway, and this morning the matches uh, fast and furious. One of the tournament favourites, New Zealand, got the tournament off to a crackerjack start, beating Trinidad and Tobago 76-27, comprehensive victory for the ladies from New Zealand. And then much closer, the other game, where Tonga took on Fiji and a local derby, that's 56-51 to Tonga at the Netball World Cup. So that means that Tonga go top of their group. They have a goal difference of plus five, two points, and they are, as I say, in the driver's seat in that one. So who and what else is in store for the Netball World Cup? Well, while we're speaking tonight, the South Africans are underway. They will be playing their game. The other matches, uh, as far as today are concerned, Uganda are well on top against Singapore, and Australia are teaching Zimbabwe a bit of a lesson. And then Wales and South Africa clash at 6 o'clock with Jamaica and Sri Lanka. So those uh, matches will have just kicked off. Um, I'm not actually sure how how a netball game starts, but the first whistle is blown. And then later on tonight, uh, 8 o'clock, Malawi against Scotland and England against Barbados. So England, Australia, New Zealand and South Africa, the top four teams in the competition, all in action today. Tomorrow, it's thick and fast again. Nine o'clock sees the New Zealanders take on Uganda. That should be a big game for New Zealand. And Zimbabwe take on Fiji. Jamaica play Wales and Australia play Tonga. And at four o'clock tomorrow afternoon, it'll be a full house at the Captain International Convention Centre when South Africa plays Sri Lanka. Scotland play Barbados. And then at six o'clock, two games tomorrow evening, England against Malawi and Trinidad and Tobago against Singapore. Sunday, again, nine o'clock start right the way through until the last game at six o'clock in the evening. Wales and Sri Lanka and Australia and Fiji play in the nine o'clock matches. Malawi play Barbados at 11. New Zealand play Singapore also at 11. Four o'clock sees England against Scotland and Uganda against Trinidad and Tobago. And then Tonga play our neighbours Zimbabwe and Jamaica play South Africa. That's all in round one of the competition. And then, of course, it goes into Monday when a match is still to be confirmed in phase two of the Netball World Cup. Currently on, right here in the beautiful mother city of Cape Town, fantastic opening ceremony, lighting of candles, and quite brilliant, to be perfectly honest with you, the way it all went down. Now, there is uh, and has been some action on uh, the football fields of uh, Australia and New Zealand today with the Ladies World Cup. And uh, South Africa are kicking themselves right now as they missed some really good chances of a good performance with the uh, South African ladies uh, 2-0 up against Argentina ended to all and coach Desrielis was left to, to rue the missed chances of her team. They gave up the two goal lead in group G denying the South Africans a first ever win on the highest global stage. Uh, Banyana were full value for their two goal advantage going into the final 20 minutes of the game, but again allowed their opponents in and they snatched a point 
At least this time they held on for a point. Ellis admitted great disappointment at the end of the game, though Bonyana can still potentially go through to the round of 16 if they were to beat Italy on Wednesday. But we didn't take our chances, said the coach. We got our first point, which is fantastic, but it should have been better. She felt the decision-making in the final third of the tournament of the field was where criticized in the 2-1 loss to Sweden and also again today. So... Unfortunately, our female footballers have let us down just a little. They led against Sweden, let that one slip in referee's optional time, and today, 2-0 up after 75 minutes, and they still let it slip. Uh, Not such a good game. So, what else is in store for us with regards to the Women's World Cup? Lots of matches coming up over the weekend. There's a game tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Sweden play Italy. And then at uh, 12, it's France against Brazil, followed by Panama against Jamaica. And then on Sunday, the Korean Republic take on Morocco. Switzerland play New Zealand. Norway play the Philippines. And Germany take on Colombia. And Monday morning's early games uh, is Costa Rica against Zambia. Japan against Spain, played at the same time, because these now are the last matches in the group stages. And then Canada versus Australia and the Republic of Ireland against Nigeria. So there can be no skullduggery with results being contrived to assist other teams. So that's the FIFA Women's World Cup games underway there. Rugby this weekend, and my goodness, is there lots of it. Let's start off by giving you the fixtures, international fixtures, which are friendlies. These are Samoa play Fiji at 4 o'clock tomorrow morning. Uh, Japan play Tonga at half past 12. Scotland play Italy at quarter past 4. And Uruguay play Chile tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. Then on the rugby championship front, Australia play New Zealand in the Bledisloe Cup. That's at quarter to 12 tomorrow. And the mighty Springboks take on Argentina. That'll be at five past five tomorrow evening at Ellis Park in Johannesburg. So let's look at the fixtures, the rugby championship fixtures in more detail. And let's start with the Springboks. Wallabies coach Eddie Jones had a bit of a fit when it was suggested to him that his side was beaten by a second string Springbok outfit when the rugby championship went underway in Pretoria. Um, he might now feel vindicated by that, with nine of the players who started in South Africa's comprehensive win back at Loftus for Saturday's final championship game against Argentina tomorrow. The box coach Jacques Linaba certainly has people guessing about which his preferred combinations might be in the build-up to the Rugby World Cup. Right now, as Jones asserted, it's hard to say that there's a Springbok B team. So, which is the way it should be if you're a Bok fan and believe that the World Cup champions will be able to call on two alternative teams of almost equal strength is a great safeguard for Nienaba, but also a massive headache for him when he has to choose his 23 to start a match, the 15 plus the bench, and then, of course, he's 30-odd that he's going to take with him to France. Now, looking at the selection for the clash with the Los Pumas and remembering how Eddie Jones's Wallabies were put to the sword by a multifaceted box assault in Pretoria, it is becoming apparent that the box will be heading to France in September with another thing they've not had in the past. Now, they've had more than one way to play and win. Perhaps they've had that for a while, but now with a selection policy, it appears to be much greater. Some overseas uh, newspaper writers were asking last weekend if the box coaches would be prepared to drop the experience and tactical astute scrum off fuffed the clack for the arguably bigger attacking threat of Grant Williams. 
Well, that's what they've done. So there could be very many good reasons for that, such as the uh, players who have been a bit rusty and a full dress rehearsal, is it? Well, I don't know. So let's have a look at the two sides for the big clash tomorrow. This is the starting 15 for South Africa. Vinnie LaRue at fullback, Cheston Colby and uh, Kirtley Orens are on the wings. Jesse Creel and Damien Dalendi, the centre pairing with Manny Libok and Grant Williams, the halfback pairing. Captain tomorrow will be Dwayne Vermeulen with Peter Steff de Toy and Michael van Staten, the two flanks. Vermeulen will scrum down at number eight. Marvin Ori and Eben Etzebeth will lock the scrum behind Franz Malheriba, Melka Marks and Stephen Kitchoff. Not a bad bench. <laughs> Pongi and Benambi, Trevor and Yakadi and Vincent Koch. The entire new front row will come on most probably after about an hour. Argy Sleiman is the replacement block with some flank and loose forward assistance from Quacha Smith on the bench. They've gone for the 5 3 split this time with Faf de Klerk, Lukanya Am, and Damien Willemse, the three back row replacements on the bench. I'll give you the Argentinian side. My Spanish is not so good, so please apologies to Argentinian fans who might be listening today. Juan Cruz Manila, Mateo Carreras, Lucio Cinti, Santiago Cocopares, Juan Imov, Santiago Carrera, Luataro Bazan Velez, Juan Martin Gonzalez, Santiago Grondona, Pablo Matera, uh, Thomas Lavanini, Lucas Paulos, Francisco Gonzalez Cordela, Julian Montoya, who is the captain, and Thomas Gallo. That is your run on 15. Andrew Brace is from Ireland. He is the referee for tomorrow's game. Five minutes past five. How will the box do? Well, I think the box are going to give Argentina a bit of a hiding tomorrow. Let's hope I'm right. Although Argentinian coach Michael Checker has changed five of his liner in an upset win over Australia last time out. Never underestimate the Argentinians. That's all I can say to you. Never underestimate them. They are extremely passionate. You most probably see some tears at the singing of the anthem tomorrow. It should be an absolute cracker. Ellis Park, unfortunately, as we speak right now, not yet full. But I am told that 50-odd thousand seats have been sold for the game tomorrow. The stadium, of course, holds 62,000, and it would be fantastic uh, if the uh, fans in Johannesburg gave the box the send-off that they deserve. Remember, it's not just the last game that the Springboks will be playing in South Africa before the Rugby World Cup. It is also, of course, the last game that the coach Jacques Linaba will be in charge of in South Africa as he makes his way to better pastures or more more rich pastures with the exchange rate. Now, Australian fans, jaded by the All Blacks' 20-year stranglehold on the Bledisloe Cup, should spare a thought for James Slipper, who's carried the burden of history longer than most. Every year, the weight grows a bit heavier on his 34-year-old shoulders as defeats pile up against New Zealand in the annual series between the trans-Tasman nations. The question from the media, however, has remained consistent since Slipper's first all-black test in 2010, a 49-28 defeat in Melbourne under the former coach Robbie Deans. Now, do the Wallabies see their glum bledders low record as a weight or a motivation? Apparently, they get asked this question all the time, and... His first game was in Melbourne, according to the captain. He got asked the question then, and every single time he's been asked now. He set to notch his 130th test at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, where they are expecting 80,000 spectators tomorrow. That's right, 80,000 spectators for the Bledisloe Cup tomorrow. I cannot 
cannot see um, Australia upsetting the All Blacks tomorrow. I really can't see it. Eddie Jones says that he thinks he can shock the fans and upset the All Blacks, um, but the odds are heavily, heavily stacked against them. They were comprehensively beaten, as we've mentioned already in Pretoria, by the Springboks, and, of course, they were beaten Australia, that is, um, by the Argentinians when they played them last week. So it's going to be very, very difficult indeed. So the Australian side, Andrew Kellaway, Mark Nowakatitsawa, Jordan Patea, Samuel Karevi, Marika Korobetti, Carter Gordon, Tate McDermott, Rob Valentini, Tom Hooper, Jed Holloway, Will Skelton, Nick Frost, Alan Aratoa, and David Porecki. Angus Bell. Um, they are, of course, uh, the uh, team that will run out for the uh, match tomorrow. No big names there like in days gone by where you had some names that just slipped off the tongue. So that is the two big clashes tomorrow in the rugby championship. In the morning, it is the Australians against the uh, New Zealanders at the MCG, and then Ellis Park in Johannesburg is where you will find the Springboks up against the Argentinians. That uh, is, I think, going to be a little closer than the All Blacks versus the um the All Blacks versus Australia. Now, the other major sporting event coming up at the weekend uh, is the motor racing at Spa. And Lewis Hamilton says he's trusting Formula One's governing body to ensure that drivers are safe if bad weather disrupts the Belgian Grand Prix. The race comes after 18-year-old Dutch racer Delano van der Hoff died in a wet race at Spa in early July. His crash echoing that of the French Formula 2 driver Antoine Hubert's fatal accident in 2019. Now, the seven-time world champion was talking to reporters at Spa when asked about safety concerns, and he said it's not something that they ever think of. As a driver, it's not something you can ever really let into your mind. I don't think we'd be here if the FIA didn't think it was safe, is what he said. Red Bull Sergio Perez, Alfa Romeo's Valtteri Bottas, said the drivers were in the hands of the FIA's race director in bad weather. The spectacular track is a favourite for drivers, with its challenging features and the sweep of Eau Rouge being one of the sport's great landmarks. Back to Hamilton, he said he loved the track and the way it was. It was not his job to decide what needed to change or how to do it. The Ferrari driver, Charles Leclerc, said there were some areas that could be improved on the track. Yesterday, it was wet and rainy. It's also going to be forecasting that tomorrow, and the Grand Prix will be held as a sprint race there for the first time. So there's going to be a sprint race as well as qualifying and the main race on Sunday. Now, in the meantime, McLaren's Lando Norris has apologized to Max Verstappen for smashing the Hungarian Grand Prix trophy. Promised to be more careful next time he cracked open the champagne pain on a Formula One podium. The large pink and white handmade porcelain trophy, which took six months to make, tumbled off the top step and broke into pieces. When the second place for finish, Norris bashed the podium floor with his bottle to pop the cork open. The staff had put it on the floor before starting his own celebration. He said, Max just placed two close to the edge. I fell over. It's not my problem. It's his, he said at the time. But he sounded more contrite than was asked in the Formula One press conference for an update. He says, I knew you'd bring it up. First of all, I do want to apologize, said the 23-year-old. I obviously had no intention of ever doing such a thing. 
I know how much it meant to the Hungarians as part of their culture, and I did apologize to Verstappen. I know I made a couple of jokes about it, which I shouldn't, but I do feel bad for him. If he did it to my trophy, I'd be annoyed. You've got to get onto the top step, Lando. Norris finished second to Verstappen in the last two races and saw no reason to change his method of starting the champagne celebrations, however. He said he'll just move the trophies aside better and then continue. Tilla Simon, the CEO of Herendini Porcelain, told the uh, Hungarian M4 Sport newspaper that the trophy had a lifetime guarantee and Verstappen would get a replacement. Oh, shame. Lucky doesn't have enough trophies. Anyway, uh, Pierre Gasly has expressed his feelings harbored by mainly Formula One paddock regulars when he said he felt conflicted about taking part in the Grand Prix. The 27-year-old driver said he felt the worst emotions of his life at the majestic, dangerous, and high-speed Spa-Francorchamps Spa circuit set in the forests of the Belgian Ardennes. Gasly was referring to the day he learned of the death of his close friend, compatriot, and colleague Antoine Hubert, who was killed in a crash in heavy rain while taking part in a Formula 2 race at Spa in 2019. So there's a lot of talk about this. Last year, and you must remember, Lando Norris, of course, was racing around the track at breathneck speed. Aquaplane smashed into the side walls and spewed half his car all over the track. So it is something that uh, is of concern to most of the drivers. But like Lewis Hamilton said, and I'm sure all the drivers would agree, they don't think about crashing. They They only think about keeping themselves in between the white lines. So there's no need for them to worry about uh, crashes. They they just try their best to keep themselves uh, on the racetrack. Right, so what about other sports that are going on? There's golf this weekend as well. Lee Hodges, after missing the cut in three of his last four events, shot a bogey-free eight under par 63. He holds the lead at the 3M Open. Play was suspended last night and will get underway again today. 21 players were on the course that uh, they'll get on in, in just a very short while. Uh, to complete their first round. Um, that, of course, is on the American tour. Um, this, of course, after last week's Open Championship that was held in uh, Liverpool at uh, the Royal Liverpool Golf Club. Then on the other side of the world, it is the um, DP World Tour that is currently underway as well with uh, players in action uh, at the uh, moment there, uh, they will, of course, uh, be meeting up again with all these players in one or two of the bigger golf tournaments as we go forward. Now, as far as other sport is concerned, uh, it's a little quiet on the uh, other fronts like tennis and so on in terms of big events. But Igor Tech is into the quarterfinals of her home tournament. Karolina Muchova, the woman she beat in the French Open, has crashed out. The world number one swept aside Claire Liu of the United States, 6-2-6-2, Swiatek's fourth win in four meetings against her opponent, three of which have come this year. Now, the second seed, Muchova, ranked 18th in the world, was beaten by the Slovak qualifier, Rebecca Stromkova, in three sets. She failed to convert a 5-1 lead and four match points in the third set, losing 7-5. 
Now, the Washington Open also underway. Former Ukrainian world number one, Elena Svitolina, and the U.S. Open champion, Bianca Andreescu, being handed wild cards to compete in the Washington Open later on this month. A 28-year-old Svitolina, ranked 27th, reached the semifinals of Wimbledon earlier this month, just after giving birth to her daughter, Sky. And the Canadian, Andreescu, has reached the third round of the Grass Court Grand Slam. The American, Sophie Cannon, who won the Aussie Open, is the other wild card entry alongside compatriot Daniela Collins. Former world number four, Kaini Shikora, Frenchman Gal Monfils and South African Kevin Anderson have been given wild cards into the men's draw. The Washington Open will be held from the 31st of July until the 6th of August. So that is your tennis for the weekend. Then, of course, there's also a whole lot of football action around the world. Let's not forget that there are loads of friendlies going on before the start of the new season. So tomorrow, Roma play Wolverhampton Wanderers. This is, of course, in America. Kawasaki, Frontale play Bayern Munich, and Barcelona play Real Madrid tomorrow evening at 11 o'clock. And then on Sunday, Manchester City play Atletico Madrid, Liverpool play Leicester City, and PSV Eindhoven come up against Nottingham Forest. And uh, there, of course, is loads and loads of footballing action as well at the FIFA Women's World Cup. So overall, we've got uh, netball action, World Cup of netball currently on here in South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, England and South Africa, the top uh, of four seeds there. Then, of course, the FIFA Women's World Cup will continue after Banyana Banyana's loss today. Uh, a win for England. The uh, other results later on today, China against Haiti. And then a whole lot of matches tomorrow, including Sweden against Italy, France against Brazil, and Panama against Jamaica. The rugby, the Wallabies against the All Blacks, 80,000 expected at the MCG. South Africa against Argentina. That takes place at five minutes past five, five minutes past five tomorrow evening. And of course, the Belgian Grand Prix, of which Lewis Hamilton will be trying to better. His performance last week, as will Lando Norris. Can anybody catch Max Verstappen in that flying Red Bull? All of that and more on Monday evening's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. As usual, I greet you on this Friday evening with the words, be kind to each other. Until next time, bye-bye.